Let me tell you a little secret. I'm telling you a secret because I'm living it. I didn't want to tell you that part, but I'm telling you because you need to know. When you give, and because God knows you are scattering over here, you're scattering over here, and because he wants to help those persons, and you want to scatter over here because you want to help that one, and you scatter over here because you want to help that one, and you scatter over here because you want to help that one, it looks like you're giving away everything you have. But you know what he does? He replenishes it with more than you gave away already. Because guess what he wants to do? Keep helping what? More people. But most people think, I can't give it away. If I give it away, what, 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 I got to hold on to it. What, 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 what? Don't touch my pocketbook. If I hold on to it, then I need it, right? And so guess what? Because you hold it, guess all? Guess, here's a, here's a secret. He cannot multiply what you don't give him. If you never take it to the, if you hide your money under the mattress and you never take it to the bank and they're offering 10% interest rate, you're going to get 0% interest rate under the mattress. Are you understand that? But if you take it and put it in the bank, there's going to be what? Interest on it. Well, if you don't give God, he can't multiply because God is a multiplier. That's what he says in his word. You're going to see that. He multiplies what you give him. And if you give him $1, let's say, come on, let's do a little mathematics now. Come on. What if God, if I give him $1, how much, am I, how much he's going to multiply it to? If I give him $2, $5, that's a million. Quickly, for those of you who do not so math, a million. I give $1,000 and multiply Suppose he says to me, everything you give me, I multiply it by 100 and give it back to you. Who would want to give him just $1? Anybody? Anybody would like to give him the $1,000? That's right. But can I tell you, it's the same principle he's saying in his word. But, you know, but because we, 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 don't, we don't, because he's not standing up like me right here now and telling you that, you don't believe it. But that's what he says in his word. He says, if you sow sparingly, which is the dollar, you're going to reap what? Sparingly. But if you sow generously, which is the thousand dollars, you're going to reap what? Generously, which is the million dollars. Are you seeing the principle? I want you to see it. Because I want us as a church to be blessed. Because God is in the business of blessing us. God is not in the business of cursing you. That's not God's job. He's not about cursing you at all. Anybody tell you that God is about to curse you? Get out of there fast. God is not in the business of cursing you. That's not what he wants to do. He wants his desire is to bless if we walk in, in, in disobedience, then there are consequences to the disobedience. That's not because he wants to curse us. That's not because he wants to curse us. If you're a child, if you set up rules in your house, and you tell your child that curfew is 10 o'clock, right? Which she should have. And if she comes decides she's going to break it and come in 11.30 or 12 o'clock or 1 a.m., there should be what? 
consequences. And so, therefore, it's not because you don't love her. In fact, you love her, that's why you don't want her to stay too late. Because there's all kinds of things on the road. And so you set a curfew time. Well, it's the same thing with God and us. He set some standards. And it is to bless us. And when we walk in obedience, God will bless us. Every day, God is asking you one question when you get up. The first thing you get up in the morning, God says, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Or do you want to take things in your hand? Do you trust me? Do you really trust me? Because God wants to prove himself to you. He doesn't want you just to hear about what he's done for other people. He wants you to experience it yourself. And he wants every one of us in here to experience it. Not just some people, but everybody. So Paul reminds us that your income is a direct connection to your giving. Paul points out that your attitude with which you give is essential. People give for several different reasons. Here are a few of them. Let me quickly look. Some people give out of duty. They feel they're obligated. I don't really want to give it, but you know. That's God sent out of duty. Some people give because they gain prestige. They're going to put their names on a plaque. They're going to name the building after them. So they give that money. So some people do that. You pass around and you go to certain places and you see the building with the people's names, some of them. That's because they give a certain amount of money. They get a prestige and, they, and they're thinking about it. Now some people give for other reasons. Some people give hoping to gain salvation. Did you know that? Oh, I remember a situation where a certain person with a certain lifestyle, when I was in another church, they, wanted to, they thought if they gave a lot of money to the church, God will overlook their lifestyle and take them into heaven. Well, I'm sorry, you can't buy your way into heaven. It doesn't matter how much money you give to God. It doesn't matter how much money you give to the church. You can't buy salvation. But some people think they can. And they do that. And some people give because it makes them feel good when they give. So some people feel good when they give. They feel good about giving. And then there are other people. They give because they're hoping for material gain. Some people give and they're thinking that, you know, it's like a gift-to-get scheme. But God is not into a gift-to-get scheme. That's not really what he's about. Here's what we want to get to the point. We want to get to this point. When I get to the point, the final reason to give is because we want to be an agent of grace. In other words, we want to give cheerfully because God wants us to joyfully join him in doing what? Expanding his kingdom. Remember, remember that God is concerned about everybody. Even the people you and I don't like. You don't like them, guess what God does to them? He loves them. Isn't that amazing? You may not like them, but God still loves them. And so God is interested in reaching everybody, not just some. And I want us to begin to think broader than just our little world here. We need to start thinking globally. We have a global, we have a world out there with people that need Jesus Christ. We have a world out there where people are hopeless and they don't have a hope. They don't know that there is someone they can turn to. They, they don't understand that there is a God who really cares for them. They don't understand their destiny that without God they're going to end up in hell one day. They don't understand that. They, and, and we need to be looking beyond just our little environment and begin to think about a world out there praying for them. 
asking God to intervene in their lives and to do what we can when we can. And we're giving you an opportunity here to do that in the things that we are doing in this 25th anniversary and other things that we're going to be doing. It's going to be an opportunity to touch lives beyond ourselves and beyond our current sphere. The Bible says this is a good time to stop right now and just think, why am I giving? Why do I give? We need to ask and check our motives. Why are we giving? So that it's not just I'm giving just because I want to get back. Because the law of the harvest does work. You can't deny that. The law of the harvest works. I plant seed, it's going to bring a harvest. I plant no seed, I get no harvest. So here, so Paul gives us some truths that we want to be able to work with this morning. He reminds us of some important truths. In, and in this verse, look at this verse. He says, for God is the one who provides what? Seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. Let me explain something to you. When, when we talk about the pledges and we say, do what God tell you to do. We, are, we tell you that because guess whose responsibility to provide what he tells you to do? God. It is God's responsibility to provide. And he will provide it. I'm trusting, telling you, he will provide it. Now, you may mistake it for something else and think this is, oh, this is so wonderful. I can take a little vacation with it. Hello? It didn't mean that he didn't provide it, you know. Is that you misdirect it? Okay? <laughs> you say, boy, this is coming right on time. I've been thinking about this vacation for a long time. But, you know, it's so it could be. And so we can, God will always provide what he tells you he's going to give. So when he puts in your heart what you need to do, that's what you need to do. So Paul says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread for, for eat. In the same way, look at this. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of what? generosity in you. In the same way, he, God, will provide and increase your resources. You hear that? God wants to increase your resources so you can become what? Generous. When God finds a person with a heart that is generous, he floods them with more stuff because he wants them to become more generous. If you're stingy, then you're going to find not a lot of things are going to come your way. Because God says, I can't, I can't trust him. I can't trust him with whose goods? With his goods. Because when I give it to them, they think, they think it's whose? They think it's theirs. And because they think it's theirs, guess what they're trying to do? Hold on to it. You see the difference when I begin to think that it's not mine? It's different. So here's what we want to say to you. Truth number one. God is the one who provides what we have. Now, some of you may say, well, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm the one who wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm the one who fight the traffic. You don't understand those people and the job that I have to deal with. What do you mean by God provides what you have? Well, can I tell you something? If he didn't give you the power, you would never move one leg out of that bed. Can anybody tell can I Can I witness to that? I've got to tell you that. It is him. Give him praise this morning. Give him praise. It is him. Don't ever think it's your workout at the gym that gives you the strength to do it. 
Well, I've been going to the gym. You know, I'm fit. I can't get up and run. Oh, you think so? One little flu bug take you? One little flu bug. And you are as weak as a rat. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're going along strong and fine. And, and you think you're wonderful. And then you start feeling a little thing. And feeling a little thing. And feeling a little thing. And the next thing you know, they see her yesterday. They say, what happened to her yesterday? I didn't see her rose here. Oh, she had the flu. A week past a week. Let me tell you something. We got to understand who we really are, you know. Put things into proper perspective. Because sometimes we think we're so big and powerful and bad and tough. Listen to me. If God didn't touch you and give you the strength to go to work, you'd have nowhere to go to work. And he says so in his word. So let me show you the word. I don't want you to take my word for it. You know, we call this stewardship because here's the thing. So when we are managing God's stuff, I'm going to come to it. It, we are called stewards. The Bible calls us steward. A steward is a person who manages things on somebody's behalf. You, you, have a, you, have a, you have a 401k or whatever you have. The person's managed it on your behalf. Now, what if, what if your boss who owns a company turns, says he's going on vacation for a month and says, you're in, you're in charge? Whose company is it? Huh? Still your boss's company, right? You've got to be careful how you run it. It doesn't change because you're managing it. Now, you know, um, what if one day, you, you know, you, your car doesn't work and you, your neighbor has a nice 450 SL Benz parked in the garage and um, you want to go over to borrow it? Hello? And the neighbor says, you can borrow my car. And you drive it up to church and you step out like it's my car. <laughs> You know, you know, you got to take care. Do you, do you want to drive it recklessly and just do it? No. The person expects you to do what? Take good care of it. That's why I don't like to borrow people's car. People say, take a spin, Pastor, with a new car. No, no, I'm not taking a spin. I'm leaving it alone. Let me get you into trouble. You know what I mean? All right. So the point is that everything we do, we are managing. We're managers. And so we need to recognize that. Uh, so we talked about it. So here's a verse that I want you to get to. Deuteronomy 8, 17 to 18. Look what the Bible says. You may say to yourself. This is a literal translation for the Bible. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God. For it is what? He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Don't take him for granted. You have a job tomorrow morning. You're going to go to work tomorrow morning. Because, or some of you going this afternoon. Because God has provided what? For you. It is he that gives you the strength to get up and to go. So... When we try to boast about my job and my money and my this and my that, be very careful. You know, in the Bible, there was a king that did that. He stood up on his balcony and he looked over. And he got out on his balcony, his mansion, his palace. And his palace was so high 
way up in the mountains. He could see the whole city in front of him. Beautiful view. It was at night. The lights were there. And he looked over and he says, Oh, this beautiful Babylon that I have built. And the Bible says he could hardly say the words out of his mouth before worms start eating him. Because God, he did not give the glory. He thought it was his power that did it. Never think that it is you. Always remember. You know, you know when you know when you thank God that you can walk? When you can't walk. <laughs> Anybody, anybody's ever been laid up yet? That you can't walk? That's when you really thank God. What a, what a privilege to be able to walk. To get out of the bed and walk. But sometimes we just jump out of the bed and run around like it's no big deal and it's nothing. And we don't understand that God has given us the power and the ability to do that. Can you give him praise today for that? Because you need to thank him. Don't take God for granted. Don't take the strength he's given you for granted. Recognize that it is he that has given me the power and the strength to gain what I have. So when you sit before your meal, that's why it's so important to thank him for the food. And thank God, God, you have provided this meal. I thank you. Some people take it like, you know, me work for it. Well, no, I know you work, but who give you the strength? That's what we're talking about. Let's go to the essence of the case. Amen? All right, so let's continue. So here we go. Truth number two. God has entrusted these things to us so we can be what? Now, that's not how we think, right? We think God has given this so I can just take care of my bill, save for myself, store it up, so that I can do what I want to when I want to, and everybody got to fight for themselves. Isn't that how a lot of people think? But I want you to change your thinking. Here's, here, here's a little cliche. If you continue to do the same thing you're doing, you're going to get the same what? Results. How many people would like a different results in your finances? Then you've got to do what? Change something. What I want you to do today is to change your thinking. Because your thinking will affect your actions. How I think will determine how I behave. So I want you to understand, if I start thinking that God really owns the stuff, and I really know that he does, and I really ask him, God, what do you want me to do? And, then I, was, and I said to him, well, God, is, is your, your word says... That you want to bless us so that we will have overflow to help others. So God, here am I. I want to start. And then the first thing God says to you, okay, take your, take your $20 out of your pocket. That you have. And, and then you say, God, I only have one. He says, I know that. And God, what do you want me to do with the 20? You see that sister over there, so? I want you to go and give it to her. And you, you, may, you, you thought, oh my gosh. But I, I, that, was, that was to buy me gas. I look at gas and 
what, what am I going to do? But you decide to walk in obedience. And you go and you give the sister the $20. And you are about to go to your car. And you're thinking, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you're, oh, sister so-and-so, oh, sister so-and-so. And you look back, a sister running you down. What happened? Oh, you know, the Lord put, my, in your heart, put you on my heart last week. And I was looking for you, but I didn't see you. And he says, I should give you this. And when, when you open your hand and look at what she gave you, she gave you a $100 bill. You think that's a joke? That happens all the time. Because when God asks you to do something, he's going to test you. Do you trust me? Do you trust me to walk in obedience that I am your provider? That I know what I'm doing? Because here's the key. Come back to the reasoning. Come back to the reasoning. If he owns everything, and he is God and he knows everything. He knows where money is coming from. He knows who have what. He knows who can do what. He can put into somebody's heart. We said the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And he turned it like a water course. So he can speak to somebody over there that you don't even know about. And he speak to somebody last week. And, they, and then they're supposed to give you and they're prompting. And they, they be, they're being hesitant too, you know. They're being hesitant too. And they don't want to give it because they're thinking, boy, if I give that hundred, hundred dollar, hundred dollar. And they're thinking, hundred dollar. You know, and they're thinking and they're hesitant. But then they walk in obedience. And guess what? When they go home. The IRS sent them a check larger than they thought because the accountant made a mistake in the calculation and you get $500 more than you were going to get. And you think it's a joke. These are the things that occur when you walk in obedience to God. But you know what? Some people never experience those testimonies. They never have those kind of testimonies. Because you know what? They won't give the $20. And we have examples of it in the Bible all the time. The woman of Zarephath. The widow. That Elijah went to. That was her last $20. And he asked her, Bake me a cake out of the, 20, the one little thing. Give me the last $20 that you have. God was speaking to him through her, to him, through him to her. And he says, give me bacon curd. And she, and she, she, she was, she walked in obedience. She first said, if I give you that, I don't have anything else left. He says, never mind, do it first. Go, go, go do it, go do it, go do it. She decided to walk in obedience. It's like giving the 10, the $20. You walk in obedience. It's the last one you have and you give it. And when happened? She goes back home. The jar that she left with meal empty. The oil bottle that she left empty. When she went back home, the jar with the meal was full. And the oil bottle was full. Because God worked a miracle. She cooked and she poured and she made. It filled up again. As she cooked and she poured and she made. It filled up again. As she cooked and she poured it filled up again. And it keeps doing that over and over and over. Because that is how God works. 
Are you trying to get a picture of the God in the Bible I'm talking about? I'm trying to get us to understand how God works. Because if you don't work with him the way he works, you are not going to have to enjoy the benefits and the blessings that he wants to give you. We, the, very, the very thing about the 25th anniversary is the very principle that I'm teaching is the very principle we as a church are doing. You think we couldn't ask for the money and say we're going to use it to pay off some of the mortgage? We could have done that, you know. But instead of doing it for ourselves, instead of collecting it for ourselves, we thought and said, what is the best way if we want to celebrate God and thank God for 25 years of ministry, what's the best way we can thank him? It is not to collect the money and use it for ourselves. It is to collect the money and to help other people who are worse off than us, who are needier than us. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why it's going all 100% of it is going to them. There's nothing being taken out of it. 100% of it is going to go to them. That's why we're doing that. Because we also learn that when we as a church do that, he doesn't ignore that. He sees our situation too. The same principle I'm trying to teach you on the level individually is the same principle that works with us as a church. I got to tell you, I've seen churches that's supposed to tie to the organization. Because we are supposed to tie to the organization as a church. I've seen the churches that don't tie struggle financially. Because they still miss it. They don't understand that here's what God says. You have to walk in obedience. And the organization is established. And the organization says tie 10% from your income to the organization so we can run the organization and provide resources for you. And if you don't and you walk in disobedience, you are going to see that you are not walking in obedience and God cannot bless disobedience. And the churches that follow, the churches that do what, God, what they say, they have seen the blessing of God. I'm trying to tell you this, this day. That when you and I do what God says and walk in obedience, it changes everything. Are you getting it today? I'm going to wrap up there because I want to close with a story. I want to show you how sometimes what seemed like nothing, what God can do. There was this missionary lady who was packing packages to send to missionaries in India. And a little girl came by years ago. A little girl came by and all she had was a penny. And the missionary thought, what can I do with a penny? So she bought a track. The penny could buy one track. She included a track in the package. The track eventually got into some other country, into a Burmese, a Burmese uh, uh, chief life. He read the track and he got converted. He then told his family about it and they got saved. Because he was the chief of the village, it spread and they created a church in there 
1,500 people got saved. We don't know the end of where it goes, but can you imagine that little girl with her little penny, and we may be thinking what that can do, but let me tell you something. You're dealing with God, and when you're working with God, He can work awesome things. He can work marvelous things. He can do unbelievable things. That's why you need to be generous. Because you don't know where God's going to go with what you're giving. You see, when we're giving to these nations, you're going to see, as I'm going to ask them to play the video shortly. Get ready, guys, to play the video. You're going to see that these contributions, this is just one of the agencies of the many that we're going to support with the funds that you're going to give because we think it is important to help the poor. Because here's what the Bible says. He who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. Let me tell you something. God will be no man's debtor. You'll never lend him anything, and he'll never give it back to you. Okay, guys, let's roll. The road to ending poverty is long and challenging. The world is hungry, but the emptiness goes far beyond the table. The need is both physical and spiritual. People are hungry for opportunity, starved for resources, and stripped of value. It's not okay that children die every day from hunger-related causes. It's not okay that 12-year-old girls are forced into marriages because their families can't afford to care for them any longer. It's not okay that disasters, wars, and social injustices keep people from access to clean water. And it's not okay for us to do nothing. And yet, hope remains. For over four decades, Food for the Hungry has been going to the hardest places, tackling the world's most challenging problems. They seek to end all forms of human poverty by going into the hard places and closely walking with the world's most vulnerable people. Food for the Hungry explores the tough questions, which pushes them to go past comfort and complacency. Driven by their Christian faith, FH believes that the vulnerable should not just exist, they should thrive. I'm hungry. I am hungry to I am hungry for a bright future. Food for the Hungry actively partners with churches, leaders, and families to usher justice and renew communities. So God's purpose is revealed in every person they serve. FH is committed to seeing change. They work. They feed. They love, but they know when it's time to leave. Working closely with communities to develop an exit plan, they empower children, families, and communities to invest in their own development. Food for the Hungry's purpose is to reach the hungry, the forgotten, the hopeless.
all those trampled on by unimaginable hardships. Their destination is a world without poverty. Food for the Hungry is deeply committed to the advancement of communities through education, like in Kalacha Nomadic Girls School in rural Kenya. Here, many girls are supported through child sponsorship to gain essential skills and a brighter future. Education is an essential step in the long-term stabilization and success of the communities they serve. But it doesn't stop there. Education is more than just providing schooling. It's giving farmers new practices, teaching adults good health care, and giving women skills training to better care for their families. Itaji yangu ni kufudisha, batu kufanya ufugo na mulimu. In the Congo, a reclaimed swamp is helping to provide livelihoods for many families. FH believes that the communities own their transformations and they help them to use their resources and gifts in the best way possible. They help them develop leaders and often partner with local organizations and governments to improve the living situation of the people in those communities. Yo tengo hambre de ver a la niñez boliviana libre de la desnutrición. Where so much of the world still struggles for their basic needs, food, clean water, and health care, it's often children who suffer the most. In Bolivia, the Little Ones program is educating moms on how to provide the best nutrition to raise up healthy kids so that they can thrive. When disaster strikes, people living in poverty suffer the most. Their lack of resources and a devastating loss can be impossible to overcome. When a catastrophic typhoon swept the Philippines, Food for the Hungry was able to help the communities reestablish their lives by rebuilding homes, leaving the people there in better living conditions than before. But they don't stop with immediate intervention. Their aim is to work strategically to reduce the devastating impact of unforeseen and unpreventable disasters before they even occur. Today, Food for the Hungry works in more than 20 countries around the world. The staff, partners, and supporters are committed to seeing true transformation in the ending of both physical and spiritual hunger. Together, we work to end poverty in the hardest places. Amen. Together, we want to end poverty in the hardest places. That's what we're talking about when we're saying we want to help the poor. We want to become generous to be able to give and to, because we are God's hand extended. And we can do something. We can't do everything. But we can sit by and do nothing. Don't you think? So we want to do something. So that's what we're doing. This is one of those agencies that we'll be given to. And uh, you can see many of these agencies not only do in one country, 
but many of them do in 70 countries, 80 countries, countries across the world. And so whatever you give will be having an impact, not just in a small place, but around the world. And so God is not going to just ignore that. He's going to see that. And we saw in the scripture earlier where he says, he'll remember your good deeds forever. So I want you to partner with us. I want you to, to have a heart of passion, of compassion, and to recognize that you and I are truly blessed by God. That we have far more than most, than two, three quarters of the people in the world. You and I have far more than they have. And they need it. Just you saw in this clip, 18,000 kids die every day because of hunger. That doesn't have to be like that. Somebody can make a difference. It may not be all 18,000. We can stop. But we can stop some. And we can make a difference. Let's make a difference where we can. But it begins with us trusting and obeying God. So I want you to stand together with me. And we're going to ask them to put in the overhead that hymn as we get ready to close and to think about it as we prepare our hearts. It is uh, number 465 in the hymnal. 465. Trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his goodwill, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. We're going to do the first stanza and the last stanza. We want to sing this. Let us be your testimony. Let us be your desire that we're going to walk to trust God and walk in obedience. Are you ready? When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. But to trust and obey. Last stanza. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sin at his feet. Or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he stands we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Oh yes, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. As we trust Him, his word and walk in obedience, you're going to see the change. 
Let's walk this 40 days of generosity. Get your devotionals from the outside. Start practicing what the Bible says. Because the devotionals give you the scriptures. Tell you what God wants to do in your life. Because the generous will be blessed, God says. He who waters will himself also be watered. That's God's plan, not my plan, not the church's plan. That's God's plan. We're just asking you to trust him and to obey him and to see the difference in, his life, in your life. We're going to be having service this evening at 7 o'clock, inviting you back to come and worship with us. Raise your hand as we pronounce the benediction. First time guests at the back there, if you take a look around, you'll see Sister Sandra, she's going to escort you to our hospitality suite where you'll be refreshed before you go today. Those invited, you can escort you as well there. They know where to go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace as together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a blessed afternoon. First time guests, see Sister Sandra.